Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Picture at Los Angeles 2024. Oh my God. Welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only, the only Golden Girls podcast you're ever going to need to listen to. I am Lynn Redgrave. Oh, that was a surprising one. Yeah, I was, because we're doing a, like a British thing today. So I was like, I'm going to be someone British, but she doesn't get enough respect, I think. So like, uh. I wanted to like, you know what I mean? I wanted to be in that headspace. So everyone go out and Google Lynn Redgrave. She's incredible and should have won the Oscar for Gods and Monsters. There, I said it. And I'm <laughs> the woman who was in the latest episode, the latest season of Night Country, who's British, oh. who I recognized from oh. Three Men and a Little Lady when Mary gets shipped off to a boarding school mm-hmm, and she's like mm-hmm. the headmistress of the boarding school who has the hots for Tom Selleck. I'm well, her. You know who else she is. Let's just talk about this for a second. She's also Harry Potter's aunt. Is she? Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. She plays his aunt. I forget oh. the name now. I forget her name now. I'm gonna. I'm gonna Google it. What you please talk. Google but, it because she yes. was the best part of Three Men and a Little Lady. True. That's very true. Actually. All right. You Google it. I'm Carrie Doherty. Today we're doing a Beyond Golden Girls episode where we cover the many film and TV projects that the women did outside of the Golden Girls during the course of their illustrious careers. Today we are watching the pilot episode of Amanda's, also known as Amanda's by the Sea, which was a vehicle for B. Arthur to star in following the success of Maud. But before we get into it, today on the Rusty Anchor Happy Hour, this is a wild one, you guys. So we wanted to do something with Rue because it was recently her birthday. And so I went down a little bit of a YouTube rabbit hole. I found a video of Rue that I had never seen before. H. Which is Scott, so rare. Have so you rare. ever had you ever seen this video before? No, not this particular video. But I know what it's from. This is maybe one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It almost feels like a Tim and Eric sketch. It I don't, does. I don't think it's intentionally supposed to be funny. I will say it's in the vein of like Estelle's workout videos. Mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. all I'm going to say. You've got to join the GG VIP club to watch and experience this with us. Wait. If you haven't yet joined. Wait. What yes. if one day, what if one day, guys, sound off in whatever places you can sound off. I don't even know where you can sound off anymore. What if we did a a, a, a Beyond Golden Girls watch of Estelle Getty's workout video? And then we did it. Oh, my God. And then did the workout? I mean, it's not going to be high intensity. <laughs> I mean, I'm not not loving this idea. I'd oh love to do Estelle's workout with like her little like two pound weights and her sweatshirt. Because I mean, most of the workout you can do in a chair. Yeah, I actually which I I love that. I love that idea. I love that yeah. idea. Okay. You guys let, sound off. Let it us could be know. a video experience for everyone. Yes, definitely. Let us know. Oh, well, I want to say the woman, the actress from True Detective and from um, all these other great shows like Harry Potter, she was also in 
uh, a great season of True Blood where she played a witch. Her name is Fiona Shaw. She's an incredible uh, actress. Yes. She was also in Killing Eve. She played oh. an amazing part in Killing Eve. Fiona Shaw is iconic and she was badass in True Detective too. Oh my God, I love, if anyone, this is not Golden Girls related, but I loved True Detective this season. I, I will watch anything that Jodie Foster does. I interviewed her. You can go listen to our chat on The Parting Shot. Thank you. And that's our second time chatting. So I think we're friends now. Mm. I think we're actually friends. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, True Detective was really good this season. It really was good. Really good. Oh, what a, what a, I mean, just, I, I can't even think of it. We need to talk about the finale. Not here. We'll talk about it on the Rusty Anchor. Well, maybe, we'll, well, yes, but also maybe some people haven't caught up yet because the finale did kind of just air. But See, I don't understand. I, I don't understand that. To me, it's a, it's a 24-hour window. I understand. No, no. I, ask that's... anyone with a child. No. Well, so don't play the parent card on me. I know, I know, but I'm just saying that if you want to live in the zeitgeist that is the world in which we live in and you want to be active on social platforms, etc., you have to watch it within 24 hours or else you're going to get spoilers. That's my rule. Okay. All right. Well, that was a wonderful tangent. I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to quickly tell people if you want to join the GGVIP club, <laughs> And listen to our Rusty Anchor Happy Hours. You can do that at patreon.com slash golden girls podcast. Yep. It's free to create an account, but you do get most of the bonus content at the $5 and $8 a month tiers. That is And one thing yes. I will say that if you do watch this episode, if you join now and you watch this episode, um, the video version of it, you're going to see a lot of me playing with my eyebrows in this video because tomorrow I have to be Sadie Pines, not Lynn Red Redgrave like I am this episode. I have to be Sadie Pines and so my eyebrows will be gone. I have to shave my eyebrows. I have to shave my hair on the sides. So this is the cute version of me. Next week, I will not be cute. I'm looking forward to recording an episode without your eyebrows. I wonder You've if I'll it. even notice. You've done it. Because you your glasses fall, yep. you know what I mean? Your glasses yep. fall right in that area. So they that can is be... intentional. Mm -hmm. That is intentional. I yeah. make sure that they always are pretty much there as much as possible. So yeah, you don't really see much. And next week I'll probably have a hat on too to cover up the hair situation. But yeah. Yeah. So this is me cute, guys. What do you guys think? Vote. Vote below if you're watching on <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> well, can we I talk do... about this episode for a second though? Cause I need to talk, I, I'm obsessed that you chose cause you chose this. I'm obsessed so, that you chose this. I did choose it, but I do want to shout out listener of the podcast, Cody, who had suggested it to us a while back. So thank you, Cody, for thank just you, Cody. putting it on our radar. Cause obviously there are so many projects that these women did outside of the golden girls. So anytime you all are excited about one, and you let us know, I usually, if I'm, unless I'm like at the doctor's office when I'm reading your mess, I usually, I'm pretty good. I feel like about, about copying mm -hmm. them and, and, and keeping track of what you want to hear. So thank you, Cody, for that. This is thank a God show. Thank you are, because I am yeah. not. No, I know. I'm, this is why we're a good balance. <laughs> yes. We did talk about the show a little bit in our two-part episode, Breaking Down, B. Arthur's Life and Career. This was this show was it was between her two most iconic starring roles and only starring roles on a TV show, Maud and the Golden Girls. Didn't she have another sitcom in the early 80s that like got canceled really quickly? I think she did. Hmm. Maybe. Let she me look did. that up. You, okay. you talk and I'll look that up. Yes. So the show is called uh, Amanda's, also known as Amanda's by the Sea. It is based on the British sitcom Faulty Towers, which I'm sure so many of you know, John Cleese. The show aired on ABC from February 10th to May 26, 1983. 
This is the Wikipedia description of the show. Amanda Cartwright is the formidable owner of Amanda's by the Sea, a struggling California seaside hotel overlooking the Pacific Ocean, whose staff includes her hotel management graduate son, Marty, her spoiled daughter-in-law, Arlene, Earl, the bumbling chef, (laughs) I don't like this, and Aldo, the bellhop of foreign extraction. Oh, that's weird. So, yeah. So this so is a this, show. This was you're right. This was the only sitcom that she was the lead in that she was heading. This show is basically it begs the question: What if Dorothy Spornak had run a hotel before mm-hmm. the Golden Girls, and that's why she didn't want to run the hotel with them after the Golden Girls at the Golden Palace, where Dorothy Spornak yeah. is like, "Run a hotel? I've been there. It's hard. triggered." Well, did you? I mean, we should talk a little bit about sort of the history of Faulty Towers here and how impactful Faulty Towers is within the world of comedy, comedy writing, and British comedy in general. So, like, Faulty Towers had a life of its own because of John Cleese and Monty Python. So he was famous for Monty Python, and then Faulty Towers was this iconic British sitcom that, to this day, is one of the most beloved. British sitcoms, also one of the just the most beloved sitcoms. It, it grew. It was one of those rare British sitcoms that actually went across, you know, the pond and became really popular over here in its time. I'm not talking about in the streaming age or like people looking back on it. No, it was like it was it was sort of the first, and then Black Adder came after that, and like maybe keeping up with appearances. Like there are little ones that, and of course later on in the night, the, the office, the office, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Ghost is the most recent example, but it's really rare. It's so rare for a British show to become so popular here in the United States during its time on the air. And so after, or while it was on, they had talked about doing an American version. And in fact, there was an American version that I don't think ever saw the light of day. It was uh, Betty White and Harry Corman who Harry Corman from Harvey Corman, excuse me, from the Carol Burnett show and And the Star Wars Christmas special also with B. Arthur. Yes. Yes. That's very true. And it didn't, I don't think it ever made it on the air, but they did shoot some. And John John Cleese did not like what they were going in because they said that, that I think it was something he said, something that like Betty White and Harvey weren't comfortable with some of the edgy dialogue that faulty towers and British comedy in general often is about. I mean, they're, they tend to be a bit more raunchy, if you will. And and so he was actually excited. I'm sorry. When, what? I cannot see. I'm sorry, John Cleese. Betty White being embarrassed by I raunchy mean, comedy. I can break. see her. I can see her not fitting within the brand of Faulty Tower. Anyone who has watched and knows Faulty Towers. I don't think Betty White necessarily belongs in that lane of comedy. I think she can do it. But I think B. Arthur is definitely more in line with that line of comedy. It's edgier. It's different. It's sexual. It's 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 body. It's campy. It's like it's kind of there's something about it that like even even when she's Sue Ann Nivens, Betty White is still kind of clean. And so it, it there is and she's like the lovable dirty lady kind of thing where B. Arthur can just be dirty and it I works. I still think Betty can be. Are you kidding? Betty White said on James Corden, she wanted mm-hmm. William Shatner to come all over her. Are you but telling even me? even that, even that, even that, if B. Arthur had delivered that exact same line, that exact same joke, it would have a different connotation because of sure. the way those two women delivered lines and are their, their personas. And B. Arthur's persona, I think, is more in line. Please, British listeners, 
chime in here because I feel like they're definitely being like, yes, B. Arthur's our type. Even though we all love Betty, I think Betty is definitely an American hot dog eating sort of type comedian. And so, and also we know from the life of B. Arthur, the episodes we did that, I mean, I'm sure Betty was also beloved, but B was beloved in the UK. I mean, she was just, she had her, when she, when she took her show over there, they were all sold out. Massive, massive fan base in the UK. So I think there is also a relationship with B. Arthur in the mm -hmm. UK. And so this should have worked, but there are parts of it that, for example, there were two iconic characters on Faulty Towers that essentially B. Arthur got all of those lines. And so they kind of morphed a lot of the characters into B. Arthur's character in a lot of ways. And it just something was off. It just didn't it didn't click. There was something that was just sort of not happening. And it felt like she was just playing Maud as a as a as a as a, like an innkeeper, you know? Yes, I, I have a theory. I'm going to talk about it a little bit later. I have a theory on why I think the show didn't work. But nobody liked it. B. Arthur remembers, quote, complaining bitterly about the characters in the plot. Her mm. good friend Norman Lear said, you don't have a character. You're not playing anything. John mm. Cleese hated it. American yeah. audiences didn't seem to like it because even though 13 episodes were produced, which is actually a kind of a short order for a sitcom, only 10 of them aired before the show mm. was canceled. They didn't even air three. And the show was created by, so after B. Arthur finished Maud in 1978, a lot of people were coming to her about doing another show. And she yeah. didn't really bite until Elliot Schoenman, who was a writer on Maud, showed her Faulty Towers. And she loved it. And she was like, yeah. yes. But obviously, there was something lost in translation with the remake, whether it be getting studio and network notes, whether it be just trying to be a little bit different to cater it to B. Arthur and really make it a vehicle yeah. for her and not an ensemble which happens comedy. A which happens a lot. I mean, I know a lot of our audience will know this show. Obviously, you know, Absolutely Fabulous, and and which is an iconic British show. But again, in the 90s, they tried to sort of reproduce it in an American way with a show called High Society starring Mary McDonald and Gene Smart. And it just didn't, it didn't hit. It, it, you couldn't be as raunchy as, I mean, again, it's the raunchiness of British comedy that I think we lack in the availability here because mm -hmm. of our TV censors and all of that things that they couldn't lean into some of the more risque. And Faulty Towers had some pretty risque storylines mm -hmm. and not like, not like politically edgy, risque storylines, but like just silly, raunchy storylines mm -hmm. that we could not do here, you know? Well, what's wild is that they tried to make a remake of this with Betty White, Harvey Corman, didn't even go past the pilot phase. They tried it with B. Arthur, eh, it didn't work. But this country, these TV producers would not give up because they tried to remake it again mm. in 1999 with a show called Pain which was starring John Larroquette, and it was canceled after the eighth episode aired. Like, this is a cursed adaptation. Well, I don't blame I don't blame them for the John Larroquette version because we can all agree John Larroquette is the male version of B. Arthur on television. I mean, he just is. And he's even done it on his own show where he's played B. Arthur. So we know that if anyone's going to follow in the footsteps of playing a B. Arthur character on a show that she kind of did, is it's going to be John Larroquette. That said... I don't really fault them even for trying it again, too, because when you have something as iconic as Faulty Towers, which, again, I can't even stress the seismic importance of Faulty Towers in the world of comedy and television history, then 
I don't, I'm kind of like, sure, leave well enough alone. But I'm also kind of like, well, yeah, I don't blame them for trying to make it work because we Americans should embrace how great Faulty Towers was and is, you know? That I understand. But you said a couple of words that I think are really important, which is leave well enough alone. Because when something is, when the original version of something is so magical and perfect, you can't ever, you can't ever get better. So it's never going to be better than the original. This is why, this is why I was like, John Favreau, why are you remaking The Lion King? And it was garbage. Yeah, well, I don't think it was garbage. Oh, but it I'm going to send you a two-hour YouTube video. Oh, no, I know. I know the video. I know exactly. <laughs> I don't think it was amazing. Trust me. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think it was garbage. I um, think it was but garbage. I think there is some exceptions to it, particularly The Office, where the British version is a beautiful piece of art that cannot be touched and should not be touched. However, it was touched and it was created in its own. It was And this, and I feel like Amanda's, well, it, there's two different versions. It's called Amanda's, but also Amanda's by the Sea. Um, which is funny because it's not actually by the sea. But uh, I feel like Amanda's was trying to kind of do in a way what The Office eventually successfully did, which is separate itself from the timeline and from the story of the British version and make its own path, sort of go in its own direction. And the American version of The Office very much did that. And Amanda's never really got the opportunity to do that. But also, I don't think the the creative... Um, inspiration was even there for them to go in a direction like that. I feel like they were kind of lost, which is unfortunate because it is a very funny premise for a television show. It's a very funny premise for a television show. It is. And I think the the reason why The Office lasted as long as it did is because, because remember, The Office had a very short first season. It was like six episodes. That's all they yeah. got. And uh, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant had an email with Greg Daniels or had a uh, chat with Greg Daniels, the creator who had adapted it and said, if you want this show to go, you're going to have to change the character of Michael Scott. You're going to have to make him likable because they were treating Michael Scott like David Brent from the original mm-hmm. version. He had no redeeming qualities. And they said, this is a character that needs to have redeeming qualities or else the show isn't going to make it. So if you notice yeah. from the first season of The Office to the second his character is a little bit more compassionate. You feel he's not just like a mean jerk, gross guy. Yeah. Like he's actually, yeah. and that's the only reason why that show worked. If they had not made that adjustment, I guarantee mm-hmm. you the office would have been canceled in the middle of its second season. I started my newsletter for this week. So I have a newsletter at Newsweek that goes out. You can subscribe. It's called for the culture, everyone. And this, I started it this week with this week is bananas. B A N A N A S from the office. So yes, that's yes. such a classic Kelly moment. Well, yeah. I was curious after seeing how many people hated Amanda's because I'd never watched mm-hmm. the, the pilot in full. I was like, is this show as bad as everyone said it was? So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into the pilot of Amanda's by the Sea. And the, t- the two of us, we're going to answer that question. We're going to tell you the tea, the British tea. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
And we are back covering Amanda's, a.k.a. Amanda's by the Sea, starring Beatrice Arthur. Doesn't Amanda's by the Sea sound like a shake and bake brand of something? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Well, it like sounds like just... chicken of the sea. Oh, it does. You're right. That's why, that's why I'm thinking of chicken. Okay. Yeah. The famous, the, the, the brand that Jessica Simpson made famous. Mm-hmm. So this episode, you can watch on YouTube. We will link it in the show notes. Where this video is available, whoever uploaded this, it's clearly from someone's old VHS copy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The picture's jittery, like, from where the tape's damaged. The sound's pitch goes up and down. And I did, I I asked you to pull, like, 20 seconds of the opening theme song because no people are in the opening theme. It's just sort of, like, shots of things inside the hotel, like a tea kettle, a do not disturb sign on the door. But if you're just cold watching this video that was uploaded from a crappy VHS, if you had no idea what this was about, you're like, oh, this is like a scary thing about a haunted hotel because Mm -hmm. of the bad quality. So I just wanted to play a little because it made me laugh. It's kind of like a Disney ride. Doesn't it? Yeah. You know what's funny about videos like this on YouTube, which I all—I mean, I've always kind of a. I think there should be a rule about who can upload things to YouTube, but um, but also b. I mean, but also I'm grateful for people like this person because they give us this gem and allow us to be able to do this episode. But I do feel like when you see videos like this, you get a glimpse. You get a glimpse into someone's life. You know what I mean? Sure. This the person who uploaded this had this VHS, figured out their way of moving that VHS to YouTube and was like, I'm going to give this to the world because I remember this when I was a kid. So I feel like we got a glimpse into this person's life. I don't know who this person is, but... Cody, is it you? (gasps) Cody, is it you? So Amanda, B. Arthur runs this hotel. And you're right. It's Maude. It's Dorothy. Probably a little bit more Maude. And... She used to, so she's widowed. She used to run this hotel with her husband, but he died. And now she runs it with her son and daughter-in-law and a few other characters. She doesn't seem to like working in this hotel or owning this hotel in any way. Yeah, no, she's it, she seems very much over it at the same time she refuses to give it up, which I mean, I can relate to some of that. Sure. So she's got like a crappy attitude with all of the guests. She's just rude to all of them. And we learn that the hotel is in trouble financially. Mm, Shocking. And this is where we meet this sort of like, he's got real Stan vibes. It's like this sleazy, wealthy guy named Krinsky played. Mm -hmm. You want to say who it's played by? Do you remember? Yes, I do. Michael Constantine, one of my favorites who played the father in my big fat Greek wedding. Everything. Windex. You tell me what I tell you in relation to Greek. I mean, I, the way, we've talked about this, but I love my big fat Greek wedding so much. Yes. I thought, as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, H. Allen's excited. R.I.P. What a great man. Yeah. R.I.P. 
So he comes by and he's like, hey, hey, I'll, uh, you know, I can bail you out if you're in trouble. And she's basically like, fuck off. And their dynamic, their dynamic is so much like Dorothy and Stan. Like he even kind of looks like Herb Edelman a little bit. I so- you know, I thought it was at first. Oh, wow. When he walked through the door, because I had never seen this, obviously. So when he walked through the door, I literally for a second was like, is that? But he talked and then I knew it wasn't. Yeah, I think this also might have been his only episode, but I'll have to double check Mm. that. So I did want to play a little exchange between them, because if you close your eyes, it's just it's Dorothy and Stan talking Mm -hmm. to each other. Amanda, you know, you really underestimate me. Don't you think I recognize that this hotel is an extension of you? The charm of this building makes it a local landmark, which I promise to preserve forever as a monument to your dedication. You want to rip it down. And put up tennis courts, right. of course. <laughs> you know, on second thought, Krinsky, it is a terrific offer. Now you're talking. And as a matter of fact, I am so excited about it that I've decided to write you into my will. Your will? Yes. If I die before you, I'm to be cremated and my ashes blown into your eyes. <laughs> into your eyes. Uh, I will say what I did like about this show, I did think it was very funny. And I mm-hmm. thought that all the actors were great, especially B. Arthur. I thought she was wonderful. It was mm-hmm. a treat watching her. Yeah. So I well, I mm-hmm. I can I would also like to add on to that Please. too, that um the energy especially in this episode, is particularly high. And there's just, I mean, of course, it, it gets even you know more as we go into the episode. But I will say there is something to the theatrics of the dialogue. And it is, I don't think it's poorly written necessarily. Nope. It's, a, it's, it's, it's a very active script and the actors meet the action. Mm-hmm. I agree. The, I thought the writing was great. I felt like I was watching like noises off. You know, it's, yes. it's all one set. Yes. There oh. are people coming in and out of doors and storylines mm-hmm. crossing. I thought all of that was great. But yeah. I still so I'm I'm going to get to why I think this show didn't work in a second. I just want to set up a little bit more story first, which mm. is it, it's where it clicked for me. So this is Carrie's true crime, y'all. That, well, this is <laughs> this is my job. This is what I do. So it's what I used to do. Yeah. A hotel critic is going to be coming to the hotel, which is an opportunity for the hotel to be saved financially if they can impress this hotel critic. Mm -hmm. But they don't know when the hotel critic is coming. So basically, Amanda just has to make sure the hotel is running at its finest at all times. And they just know he's or she is coming within the next two weeks. And that's it. At the same time, it's. Like right after she has this conversation with her son about how important this is, she is being passive, aggressive and rude to every guest that comes in. Yeah. A woman comes downstairs and she's like, I don't like my view. All I see is trees. I want to see a view of the ocean. This place is called Amanda's by the sea. She's like, go somewhere else. Like, what did you think you were going to see? The Eiffel Tower? (laughs) She literally slaps her bellhop in front of a guest. Yeah. And then later she hits him so hard over the head with a baguette that it breaks. Which is very Rose. That was, that very was a Rose very Rose moment. With the newspaper. The third time she assaults him, it is so violent, it happens off camera and he screams loud enough for the guests to hear. Yeah. And this is the moment I understood why the show didn't work. Because <laughs> she's abusive. Because I'm not rooting <laughs> for Amanda to succeed. It See, is confusing. Now- Go, this is go the, ahead. Sure. This is the American response. And this is why a lot of British comedy does not work 
in the United States. It just is, I think. A character like that, who is kind of vile and wretched, it's the reason why we like Hugh Grant right now, because Hugh Grant is this ornery, angry. I mean, I, I when Michael and I went to the UK, which <laughs> is such a thing, but it is very much a British thing where they like that's the sensibilities of sort of the curmudgeon in a way. And when we were in Michael and I were in the UK, the only celeb we saw a few celebrities, but we passed by Hugh Grant yelling at someone on a cell phone. And it just felt like the most British thing in the world because he sounded amazing doing it, but he was just being a complete dickhead. And there is something about characters on British shows, I think, where they like it when someone is like this. And so this character that B is performing in Amanda's I think would have very much worked in the UK. I'm just, I, I want to dive in a little bit more as to like why I think it's important that we need to be rooting for her. I don't think for, you always need to be rooting for a character. And I, I think that's, and again, I think that's an American sensibility of you have to like the person that you're watching. And I don't think that, I don't, I think that's probably one of the reasons why <laughs> some of our art sucks. Well, I do think that it's, it, it's what made The Office go for as long as it did. And maybe it is an American thing. But for me, it was so con I was so confused that the, the lead character, she seems she's the idea is that she's supposed to be so invested in keeping this place open, I guess, because she used to run it with her husband, even mm -hmm. though she doesn't talk about her husband. There's no emotional thing in terms of like, yeah, I know I am an asshole, but like I I would die if I lost this place because it's the only thing I have left of my husband. She didn't have yeah. a single redeeming bit of her because it, she's she's so invested in keeping it open, but she's the problem. Like yeah. her son, who has a degree in hotel management, tries to help. He's like, the oven's broken. We need a new one. She's like, no. And then every guest who comes in who could be the hotel critic, she knows this. She's yeah. still rude to them. It's just confusing yeah. because it's like. No, I get that. I get that. In the storyline, there does seem to be something off there in terms of, you know, she has to be nice and everything has to be perfect, but she's being a bad manager. I get that. But even then. Even then, I'm thinking of like some of my favorite episodes of Absolutely Fabulous or some of my favorite Mr. Bean episodes. And if you really like, if you really break it down, they're just kind of horrible people. And, and it's and it's enjoyable to watch, you know, because I want to see where this horrible person, how this horrible person successfully gets to the end of this episode and achieves the goal that they're trying to achieve in the that's way just it. she didn't well and exactly and i think that's probably part of the problem i think that is actually the part of the problem with the series because i think what's different about this as opposed to some of my favorite british episodes which we're not at the end of the episode yet but when we get to that you'll see that you know the person doesn't sort of haphazardly win in the end you know what i mean the person doesn't haphazardly get what they want in the end and and it's kind of delightful in a weird way but on this episode it's not because it just it all just kind of goes to shit, you know, it's, her character is very funny on the page, but there's no depth to her. Yeah. For example, the 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 re, the way she sort of like gets herself into trouble, I guess, is that a hot guy comes in who didn't have a reservation. Mm. And because he's attractive, she, this is the one person she treats well in the hotel because he's hot. She gives him a room that was already booked under somebody else's name. Yeah. And then when the man comes in who had booked that room, he's like, 
I need a room. This is very important for my job. I yeah. travel to a lot of hotels and she's like, oh, it's the critic. I need to I need to find him a room and make sure he's happy. And yet she continues to scream at guests right in front of him. She like it, it was just it, it was just so confusing. So I'm like, OK, the, she, she wants the hotel to stay open, but she like the 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 thing that gets in her own way is I mean, she's just being mean to everybody, but also she gives a guy's room away. It was just yeah. none of it was sort of character driven because I was like, OK, a hot guy comes in is you know she's a widow is there a thing about yeah. the fact that she hasn't dated i i think this show would have worked better if she was someone who and again this wouldn't have worked for b arthur this role was this was the funniest version that b arthur i think would have probably done which is why maybe the creator of the show was like well she did mod really well so i'm gonna just write her like mod but i think the premise of the show would have worked best if this was a woman who owns this hotel it's very important to her she's the positive, sweet, nice one who's just trying to do her best and she's surrounded by idiots. All of her employees fuck up. They make her life hell, but she loves them at the end of the day. But oh my God, is it so hard to keep this hotel open because of all the numbnuts that work for her? That would have been, then at least I could go, I'm rooting for you. But this character, maybe, like, maybe, or, I think there's a, or, I think there's a way in which this character could work. It there, it is possible to have a character that is unlikable be the one that you root for, or even if I don't, I'm not on board with always needing to root for somebody. But I'm, people need to. Ha- there has to be something redeeming about them, even if it's the tiniest little moment. I well, think, sure. I think this character would have worked, like the way that this character was written, if she had inherited the hotel. There was no, like, dead husband. She inherits the hotel, hates it, right? In the pilot, she's trying to sabotage it. She's trying to sink the hotel. She's being an asshole. And she's like, well, I can't sell it. I'm going to sink it. So, But somehow her plan backfires, and the hotel ends up becoming so popular that she's forced to keep it open. Like, a premise like that, I think, could have worked for this. But I just, I didn't know why she was running this hotel, you hate I think, it. You hate everyone, and you don't seem to care that much about your dead husband because you didn't even mention him in the episode. I th- well, she did, but I but yeah, think... she went like, eh, "I'm used to run it with my husband." It's exposition. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's no emotion. Sorry, I was you... really fired up about this. Yeah, you really don't like this character. No, I think it could have worked in the end if it, if the ending had just been adjusted a little bit. I really do. Um, I think I think there could have been just a little change at the very end scene that would have taken this episode in a direction and it would have been more in line with a lot of episodes of Faulty Tower. Okay, well, when we get to the end, I would like for you to tell me what that would be and I'm mm-hmm. probably going to tell you I disagree with you, but I'd like to well, hear Well, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I do want to play a moment of Amanda being an asshole to all of her guests. In this scene, by the way, she's doing all of this right in front of the hotel critic who she seemingly is like trying to impress but doesn't give a shit that she's yelling at all of her other... Mm-hmm. Hotel guests right in front of him. Manager, uh, everything satisfactory, I trust. Oh yes, just fine. Manager, what is it? <laughs> the lettuce in my salad is wilted. You probably scared it to death. <laughs> well, I never. I have a good mind to check out. Wonderful idea. But I haven't finished my lunch. Yes, you have. (laughs) (laughs) That lady's a bitch. Well, which, who are you talking about? 
Mm. The the customer. Mm. My lettuce is wilted. Come on. I mean, she's paying for it. I guess. I, I would start know. to have an attitude too if I was getting that type of service and well, I was I know. paying for a hotel room. But it's fun. There is a moment in this scene that I loved where Amanda finally realizes she has been shouting in front of the hotel critic far too late. And so she she kind of like prances over to him. And it's the same way Dorothy prances into the living yeah. room holding the tray of coffee and forgive me, father. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes, Where yes. She's like, I will not listen to this. Coffee's ready. It was- there are so many little moments of Dorothy. I mean, of course, because it's B. Arthur, but like so many moments that then the character Dorothy blew up and made iconic, like the bread over the head situation or like anything's little moments like that made this made this a really fun watch for me. Yeah. I mean, you could. Yes, you could definitely see m- the moments. And in, in, I mean, yes, that B. Arthur brought to both Amanda and to B. Ar- into Dorothy. Yeah. And there is a. Okay, there's a scene that it reminded me of an episode of The Golden Palace where they have a dead body and it's Mm -hmm. like very slapsticky and they're running in and out of rooms where she at one point her and her the abused bellhop have to break into the hot guy's room while he's in the shower and take his stuff out of the room and put it in a closet and then put the hotel critic stuff in his room because again, the hotel critic, they don't have a room for him. But beyond just putting the hotel critics luggage in the hot guy's room. What was the plan beyond that? Because like the hotel critic may have a room now, but there's a man in his shower. What do you, what was their plan? I don't know. I do think there was a missed opportunity there just in terms of like the history of some of the people involved in this production and then B. Arthur and everything that like it could have gone in a really great direction with like the bellhop flirting with the guy or like it could have gone in like a really silly slap and then B. Arthur's just stuck in the closet the irony of that listening to this gay exchange like there are so many layers that me as a queer writer I probably would have been like you know guys there's room to play here with this closet situation let's think about it a little bit and they probably never would have thought of that and I just wish it kind of went in that direction. But, you know, this is from 40 some years ago. So that's why they didn't think of that would have that would have been su- such a fun surprise if that's mm-hmm. what had started happening. Because yeah. the thing with the hot guy goes nowhere. It's yeah. like just so much of this. It was just like characters like react. It was just like the whole. And I'm so curious for everyone else to watch this and kind of weigh in. But it just felt like. This whole episode, the whole episode was just B. Arthur yelling at people. She's she's Which, shitting on I her mean, son. She's shitting on her daughter-in-law, who's very vapid in one note. And yeah. the whole episode is a runner about her being upset that her mother mailed her or that she got like the wrong color green shirt in the mail. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah. But still, if I have to if I have to be yelled at for 23 minutes by anyone, I want it to be B. Arthur. And on that note, I think we should take a break and come right back with more B. Arthur yelling at people and hitting them with bread. And we're back and picking up again in the the scene with the man in the shower. Wait, didn't we just jump all over the kitchen stuff? Because the shower thing happened towards the end, right? Or am I forgetting? Yes. I I didn't write down a lot of notes about the kitchen stuff. I mean, aside from her hitting him with bread. The bread, the the kitchen thing, to me, I feel like there was so much opportunity there also for like 
really funny exchanges because it is a funny setup that the stove isn't working on a day they need to impress everyone so they decide to use what was it i forget they what use it was a called. hibachi grill what is a hibachi grill i don't know what that is i don't know what it the one that they're using i don't i don't recognize what that looks like but i'm gonna i mean have you ever had hibachi like no i, I just i don't know what a hibachi grill looks like for people oh okay that actually makes sense I'm okay. just, I, I Googled it. I mean, hibachi is where you go, where they cook on those big flat tables. Oh, the Japanese places, right? Yeah. Like, yes. The, 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 yes. Like, what's the famous one? Um, where they, where they do the, I mean, like in the episode of The Office, where they go and they have the onion thing and they do the whole, like those, those, the real artists that sort of do the things with the food and they throw it yes. in the air. Those, okay. Yes, I have been to one of those. Yes, I what have. What is the I famous... What is the famous hibachi place? I don't know, but let me just text Michael while we do it. He'll know. Okay. Um, so I guess but, you can get like little hibachi grills. I'm looking. You can get one for like $20 at Amazon. The quality of the video was not very good um, for Amanda's, so I couldn't really tell what kind of what they were using. But yeah, they mm -hmm. get a little mini hibachi grill. Yeah, but in this scene, it was really interesting because... I liked the get the bit with the smoke and them not knowing if it's going to create a lot of smoke and they have to do all this cooking and everything. And there's so much noises off like esque potential mm -hmm. for this scene. And uh, oh, Benihana, just, that's what I was thinking of. And that's yes, where they go yes. in the office. They go to Benihana. Yeah, Sorry. Benihana, Benihana. Yes, Benihana. Um, and 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 Dwight can't sit with Michael, and it's like a whole. I love yeah. Uh, and then Dwight on the phone with with uh, what's her name, his girlfriend. Oh my God, why am I blanking on her name? Whatever. Um, saying like, yes, start the party. Start Aunt the party. Angela. Yeah. Uh, but no, the kitchen scene, I thought that, like there's so much funny back and forth door swinging. Like I just would have loved for her to be yelling at the staff. And I think you're right. I think she probably should have been nicer to the clients, to the people in the hotel, because then it would have created this sort of like almost upstairs, downstairs quality. Again, another great British show um, quality to it where. She's coming out and she's trying to, you know, maintain face with the with the clients. You know what I mean? She's trying to like she's screaming at the cook backstage and then she goes through the swinging door and she's like, well, hello, shut up. You know what I mean? Like she has this sort of like back and forth world that I think would have made would have made it flow. And I guess if you want to root for him, maybe. Yes. OK, root for her in that way that she is trying to maintain some niceties with these. With and the that that's there. the version where it's a it's a kind woman who wants to keep this place open, but she's frustrated because she's surrounded by idiots. But I don't she think she needs to be idiot. kind. I don't think she needs to be kind. I think she I'm, can be fake. And that's mm, sort of the mm. like the, the, the John Cleese faulty towers. He he had a he was charming. He had a charming British quality to him but he also was kind of a bit of an ass and i don't think she needs to be nice i don't think we need to be rooting for her in that way because she's the nice one and everyone else is an idiot like i don't but let me ask you this in faulty towers because it's been a minute since i've seen like the pilot so i don't remember how they set it up but is there are there stakes to keeping the place open in so much as this was a place that I ran with my husband who is now dead. And if it's in trouble, I need to do whatever I can to save it only to then be a total asshole like you don't actually care. Like, that's the thing that's a little off putting. It's not that she's just unlikable. It's that these stakes are set up so that we're supposed to care that this place stays open because that's See, important to her. But she's no, not ref it's the, not reflected in her character in any way. And so a, it's confusing. 
this this pilot very much mirrors the tone of the um the the what's his name basil 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 mm-hmm. faulty uh in that he is just rude and it's it's a similar it's a similar pilot in that like there's this i think his name's like lord melbury or something and he's coming to stay at the at the at the at the hotel and and he basically becomes basil becomes super 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 crazy rude to like every other person who's staying at the hotel just to impress this one person who then of course the comedy ensues so he's not likable in the pilot right and and but do they set up that those stakes in that want is there a want of oh i need to do my best to keep this hotel open and it's important Mm -hmm. to me because of my dead spouse yeah uh no but that wasn't a part of it but 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 that's what i mean because if that's not a part of it and she just runs this hotel and she's mean to everybody that actually would would work better but the fact that they but but the fact that it's like the hotel is in trouble financially i need to keep it open and also i used to run it with my dead husband and that's why i'm still here i think you're stuck on a dead husband thing that i don't i don't think you need to be necessarily okay how how about just i need to keep it open that i i I want to keep it open and what is she doing to even try to keep it open Nothing. Well, and that's and and again, that's where I say that there's the difference in American comedy and British comedy. No, because I, I think it's I just feel bad. Like, I feel like this would have worked because we're obsessed with having a character that we gotta like and root for. Well, I do want to play because I I feel like our listeners are gonna get to a point where I mean we have not debated <laughs> like this for a minute. It's yeah. very exciting. Yeah. But I do want to get so there is a moment where. Uh, the kitchen things happen, like just more hijinks ensue. And finally, mm-hmm. the hotel critic is like, I'm fed up with this. I'm leaving this place. It's terrible. And I did just want to play a moment of Amanda begging him for another chance in like a very desperate way. And then there's like a fun reveal. I've ever been in. Oh, please, please, please give us another chance. Everybody here loves it. Ask any of my guests. What do you think of this hotel? I think it's a totally inefficient zoo run by a mad woman. <laughs> You'll be hearing from my lawyer. I'm suing you for every Nicholas dump is worth it. Don't listen to him. Please, you cannot give us a bad review. Please, I am a widow. My son is a veteran. My daughter-in-law is a waste of space. <laughs> If we lose this hotel, where will we go? You cannot do this to us. Mrs. Cartwright, I think you have me mixed up with somebody else. What do you mean, somebody else? Aren't you the hotel critic from West Coast Magazine? No, I'm the golf editor of Sportsman's Digest. (laughs) So the hotel critic wasn't the hotel critic. And the fun twist is the woman with the, the limp lettuce that she's been extra cruel to for the entire episode is actually the hotel critic. And she goes up to Amanda and she's like, I'm writing a terrible review. And Amanda's like, yep, got it. And then she just kind of walks into a closet and screams and that's the end of the episode. But yeah, but the thing is, is like, it's not like she gave the hotel critic a good experience either, only to learn that the guy that the woman who she'd been mean to was the hotel critic so I don't know, like the the reveal was fun, but at the yeah. same time, I was like, either way, someone, w- nobody would have gotten a good review because nobody's having a good time at this hotel because she literally treats every single, every single guest like shit, except for the one hot guy because she found him to be hot. Yeah, which would have been me. 
Um, not as the Hawkeye. I would have been treating only the Hawkeye nice. Um, yeah, so I do think in the end, this is where it goes wrong. And I think that her just screaming in the closet is funny and all. I, I mean, I think that's funny. I, in, I mean, it was a fun itself. runner where there was yes. like one guest who wanted quiet and people yeah. are screaming throughout the episode and he keeps coming out going, do I hear screams? And she makes him think it's all in his head. And that's like a really fun yeah. runner. But it would have been funny if in the end, the woman who turned out to be the critic found something redeeming, something ridiculously redeeming that is so out of left field that then somehow this character gets what she wants, even though it did not seem like she was going to get what she wants out of this episode with the way she was handling things, which is very much in the lane of John Cleese and how he did Faulty Towers. And um, and I think that could have that could have changed the episode and the tone a lot because there is something to be said for a character that we don't like, that is very rude, that is hard to root for, that is not a good person, but yet somehow always wins. I'm thinking, I'm actually thinking of Girls with Lena Dunham in Girls. I think that's a great example where most of those characters in Girls are not likable. They're not likable people. They do bad things and they're bad kind of friends to people and yet or even on friends too sometimes like but friends definitely goes in the like me lane whereas in girls i don't think we ever she ever felt like she relied on the character being likable because she was just writing a character and 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 i like that i like a i like an unlikable character it kind of it kind of reminds me of like jamie lee curtis and everything everywhere all at once she was a horrible 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 person and even at the end, when she does something redeemable and it kind of went in a traditional path, she's still just kind of a horrible person. And and I like those characters. I think they're complicated and I'm fun. I'm not saying I don't like those characters. I'm saying this character, as written in the premise of this show, didn't mm -hmm. work. Because yeah. like she didn't do anything. You know... She find, The place is in trouble. Oh, I need to do a good job for the hotel critic and mm -hmm. but 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 the the it, it's not like she had good intentions and she was trying to make it a good experience but because of her staff and because of the oven breaking everything was just going wrong and she was trying her best to make it right because she wasn't that mm -hmm. that's the thing is she wasn't the whole the whole episode was just her trying to figure out how to get him a room because before yeah. he even got there she gave it away to a hot guy I am so interested just, to hear yeah. what what people think about, especially here from some of our British listeners, uh, because I feel like they're going to have a lot to say about this, too. And we have quite a few of those. So I would love to hear from them because um, it is interesting. It's interesting, the tone of this show. And I, I don't think it's necessary. It wasn't it wasn't bad. It was an enjoyable watch. I enjoyed the 24 minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, it was an enjoyable watch. But I also understand why it didn't work here. I understand mm -hmm. why it didn't go anywhere. I'm curious to maybe watch more episodes and see if we do start diving into her relationship with her husband any more like, I don't know. I, I'm just, I was see, so now I, disappointed. See, for me, I don't care about the husband bit at all. I would love for her in the second episode to be like, he was a piece of shit. Like, I would love for her to, like, hate her dead husband and only use him for sympathy. I would love that. If If this were a character who... Like and and she says if the hotel goes under, we're, we don't have anywhere to live. Which to me is a great. I, I love the idea of the someone, stakes are high there. Someone who's a piece of crap 
and they're stuck working there and they're mean to everybody, but they just can't get fired or whatever. I'm just like, she can be a bad person and she can be a bad hotel, you know, owner, mm-hmm. I guess. Maybe, but just, I don't know. It just, it didn't work for me. Yeah, it didn't. It doesn't work in general, but I did not like it. Yeah, I know. I feel like I shit on it a lot because that part, that aspect made me really angry. But I, it really was an enjoyable watch. I hope everybody should <laughs> check it out. I'm done. I'm done. So I, I've been I've been going on and on about this. Let's uh, well, let's take let's, a break yeah, and come back with our golden takeaways. takeaways. Hopefully, it'll be happier. <laughs> I'm happy. And we are back with our golden takeaways. Oh, so very golden. Which is a nugget of truth or inspiration that you can apply to your life or the lives of our listeners. Carrie, what is your golden takeaway from this episode? I have a statement that's unrelated and then a question. That's my golden takeaway. My statement that's unrelated is I meant to say this earlier, but I just want to tease this a little bit. For anybody who's on the fence about joining the GGVIP club, we have some upcoming interviews with guests who were on the Golden Girls, and we're very excited about them. And these will be GG VIP Club bonus content. We may play a little bit of them here on the main episode, maybe. But if you are on the fence and you start seeing these bonus pieces that are rolling out, with people who are on the Golden Girls that maybe haven't done the podcast circuit before, maybe haven't been to Golden Con. I'm just saying it's like 60 cents a day for that kind of stuff. I'm pushing real hard. Okay. <laughs> you are. Here is my question, which is because in the Golden Palace, they also lived in the hotel while they yes. worked there because they owned it. Amanda, they all live in the hotel and they own it. Do people who run hotels often live in them, or is that just a sitcom device? I'm genuinely asking. I think it actually does happen for smaller hotels. I think it. I think it. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't run a hotel, but oh, I, you don't. Okay, I don't know why I'm asking <laughs> you then. No, but I. But I do think. I do think it's probably common. I don't know, actually. It'd be kind of cool, maybe. What do you think? I, I mean, guess- I would love it. I would love it, actually. Like, I think, I think, it, I mean, it sounds like a fun thing for me. There's, there's like a helicopter. Can you hear that? I heard that. Coming? Yeah, it's very loud. I, there must be something going now on I can't in Hollywood. Um, no, I mean, I think it would be fun. I mean, I love a hotel. Oh my God, I love a hotel. I, I do remember my, a f- childhood friend of mine who is actually the only person from my town that I know that lives in L.A., which is so wild. But his parents, when him and his two brothers moved out of the house, they had a pretty big house. They like turned it into a and b And I think oh. they maybe lived in the detached garage that they made up for themselves. And then they would the, the house itself was was a bed and breakfast. Yeah, that's kind of cool, actually. I like that. Yeah. Anyway, that's my golden takeaway. Thank you for, yeah, that was a, that was a good answer. That was good. That was good. That was a good golden takeaway. My golden takeaway is, and I think this is probably pretty obvious, you know, I love British comedy. I think it is one of, I think it is just, it's the groundwork for so much of what I love about comedy. And so I want to give you a list of some starter British comedy shows that I think everyone should watch in order to fully sort of like 
understand the tone of comedy love in this. the UK from an American. So any British listener is probably going to be like, well, there's better than those, but uh, sure. these are mine. So I think Black Adder, I mean, Faulty Towers, of course, Black Adder, you, Black Adder is essential to anything. If you want to understand any British comedy from the 1980s on, I think is very important. Absolutely fabulous. I mean, if you're queer, you need to watch some, like watch mm. some of AbFab. You just have to. Another a great one that it's just it's just brilliant is Peep Show, which I think doesn't get enough love. And it is it was a newer one. I mean, I think it was like late 90s. It started in the aughts, but it is up there with the Black Adders for me or the Faulty Towers, uh, you know, those kind of shows. And then, of course, the ones we mentioned, like The Office, I think, is a very important one. And um, the IT crowd. I and love the IT the crowd IT as well. Crowd. The IT crowd is really, really great. There's another one, too, that wasn't it was more of an HBO show for us, but it was a British show. Extras with Ricky Gervais. I thought it was I a really brilliant show. Extras. Yeah. Oh, my um, gosh. Any Monty Python. Oh. I mean, there's just so many. But uh, Keeping Up Appearance, my mom is obsessed with Keeping Up Appearances. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with Mr. Bean. And I only could watch it on on PBS. Um, I and I was Mr. the only Bean. kid watching like Mr. Bean on PBS and everyone else was watching Sesame Street. And I'm like, Mr. Bean. I love Mr. Bean. If you watch Mr. Bean as an adult, you realize, and this kind of goes with what I've been saying this whole episode, he's kind of an asshole. Really? He's I haven't he's watched it for a, a long time. He's kind of a horrible person. He does horrible things, you know? Um, he's horrible to his girlfriend. He like he's he's kind of a horrible person. Rewatch it as an adult and you'll see. A bit of the darkness of Mr. Bean, which I think is really Ooh, funny. That's yeah. a fun aspect. Well, yeah. and that is a great note to go out on. Oh, my goodness, everyone. This has been another episode of Out on the Lanai. And you can check us out at the GGVIP Club at patreon.com slash golden girls podcast. And thank you all so, so much for listening and for all of your support. Where can people yes. follow us? Oh, where can they follow us? Hmm. Well, you can go over to Mom Moguls of Media because we're there and we're a part of that lovely, lovely family. You can also follow us on the socials at Golden Girls Pod on Twitter, uh, out on the Lanai official on Instagram, Golden Girls Pod on Facebook, and I am H. Allen Scott slash Sadie Pines on everything. And I am Squid Eat Squid on Twitter and Squidzy on Instagram. And if you have a moment and you want to run over to wherever you get this podcast, give us a little rating and review. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. And remember, as always, stay golden! And don't be an asshole like Amanda. Oh, I love her. I want her to be my grandmother. Out on the Lanai is not endorsed by Wit Thomas Harris Productions, Touchstone Television, Disney, or any of its subsidiaries. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names, pictures, audio, and video clips of the Golden Girls are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and or copyright holders. 